This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. You wake up today, you don't see rain outside. You're shocked. It's the first Saturday in months that it hasn't rained. Ty Butler going until 630 right here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm excited. The weather does that for you. It's late October and I'm wearing shorts. Now, I'm not sure that long term, as far as our planet is concerned, that that's a that's a good thing. But at least for the moment, we can be outside, have a good time. And, you know, it, it's that part of the sports calendar where there's so much happening that you just feel overwhelmed, but in a good way. We've got the World Series last night. And, you know, coming into it, you're thinking, who's watching Arizona, Texas? The only thing that you have to hope happens is something historic, a, a classic, you know, something of legendary status and uh, baseball World Series off to a good start. You get Corey Seager's two run shot in the ninth inning to tie things up, sends it into extras where Adolis Garcia, you know, continues to rake. He hits a walk off home run. I believe that's the, the fifth straight game he's homered in. And he is, you know, the becoming a, a star. This is a blossoming star we are watching before our very own eyes. So we'll talk some baseball. Uh, I guess there are rumors out there that the Yankees could be in on Juan Soto. We'll get to that. Matt's still looking for a manager. And, of course, week eight is upon us. Jets and Giants live from, how about this, Harvey? Jet Life Stadium tomorrow. Pair of teams looking to... You know, keep that promise, keep that hope alive for the season. We'll get into that, of course. But where we start is with basketball. NBA season underway. Got started this past Tuesday night where you saw the the, the defending champion Nuggets get a win at home over the Lakers, who somehow have lost six straight games to that Denver team. Can't beat them. Then the Suns, shorthanded. No Bradley Beal get a win. In uh, Oakland, San Francisco, against the Warriors. Then I was at the Garden Wednesday night for the Knicks. Almost came back. They were that close to beating the Celtics. But they did win last night. So that's exciting. And, you know, it's the first win of the season. It came with unnecessary anxiety. Because I'm watching that. And it's funny. They were up seven with 45 seconds left in the game. And somehow the Hawks had a chance to, to tie, it, tie it with a lob pass. Clint Capella fumbled it. But once the Knicks went up seven, I go to Twitter, I tweet out, exciting win, can't wait to break it down tomorrow afternoon on 98.7 ESPN. And then in a flash, Trey Young has got the ball down too, and I'm thinking, oh, man, oh, this is going to be ugly. Like, do I delete the tweet? Do I have some fun and quote tweet it? But, you know, the Knicks found a way to win the game. Shout out to Julius Randle, hit some clutch free throws. And there you go. They have their first win of the season. They play back-to-back. They're on the road tonight in New Orleans. The Pelicans with their home opener. They've been off for a couple of days. So, as you heard Anita Marks talking about, they're well-rested. Meanwhile, the Knicks on the second leg of a back-to-back. You'll have Pat O'Keefe and Monica uh, Monica McNutt on the call. She is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, First time... Uh, that I'm interviewing her, so I'm excited to have her on the program. We'll go through the X's and O's and then, you know, look at some uh, uh, of the things that happened last night and preview uh, what's on the slate for tonight. But so far for me, the biggest takeaways of the season, you guys know how big of an R.J. Barrett critic I am. And some people feel like I'm a little bit too harsh. It's unfair. 
uh, they wrongfully accuse me of being a hater. I'm just being honest. But in continuing the you know pursuit of honesty, RJ's been fantastic, and and it's only been two games. It's a small sample size, but there's a case to be made that so far he's been the best player on the Knicks. Brunson was um, incredible last night, but of subpar to say the least in game one. Randall, more him in a moment, doesn't have the, the numbers that are gaudy. RJ has just been fantastic. And look, it's year five. We can't keep engaging in that Daniel Jones-esque conversation where we're recycling the, you know, is this the year he finally shows us something? This is fifth season in the league. At some point, you are what you are, right? But so far, so good. I've been impressed with him because he's showing you what that leap looks like for a guy of his caliber. We hold over his head Number three overall pick, you know, for or fair or unfair, he's always going to be linked to uh, Zion and John Morant. And I get, you know, Zion's got his both off-the-court issues and he can't stay healthy. Uh, Jaws had a ton of off-the-court issues. He's serving the 25-game suspension right now. But those guys are superstars when they're on the floor. Like, we've seen John Morant be the best player on a contender, Zion, uh, when he's healthy, he's one of the best players in the league. So RJ is going to bef- forever be linked to them. And it, it could hurt him because we never are going to look upon him as a guy that's going to be on that level. But uh, what we're watching right now when we ask the question, you know, what what does he look like when he takes that next step? We're seeing it right now. Playing downhill, getting to the basket, defending at a high level, uh, oozing with confidence, I was on my way to the garden listening to John Starks on the K show, and that was one of the things he brought up, play, you know, him playing with confidence. Because he did end that playoff run last year, uh, you know, struggled initially against the Cavs, but turned up uh, toward the latter part of that series. And in every game outside of the finale against the, the Heat, he played pretty well. So it's about him, you know, still capitalizing and maintaining that confidence and the momentum and also not being a liability from the free throw line. And last night, he was thriving in crunch time. I mean, Nick fans, even if you want to accuse me of being harsh, you would have to admit that there were many times late in games he had the ball and there's that look of uncertainty on his face. You don't necessarily trust him because he doesn't have that go-to move. He's not like he's got an excellent jump shot. And you certainly don't look upon him as someone particularly reliable from the free throw line. But last night, hit a couple of big shots. Showed that his jump shot is capable of improving. Got to the basket with a nice finish. And those were two hoops that the Knicks badly needed to stave off that late comeback from Atlanta. So I've been thoroughly impressed with RJ. He's averaging 25 a game, efficient shooting. And it, it, it shows you... That, yes, there is, like, the talent isn't the question. Sometimes we look at the motor. We look at, does he have that dog in him? And that's becoming a cliche. And we also um, pay attention to circumstances that are beyond his control. And it's, you know, is he the right fit with this group? Because Jalen Brunson, your your floor general, Julius Randle is going to demand the rock and, and, and have a high usage percentage. Can RJ be successful in this type of a system? And look, I don't want to overreact. Once again, I just want to give credit to where he's doing because if, I, if I'm going to rip him and destroy him uh, where I see necessary in seasons past, I got to give him some love uh, when he starts playing well. And, and so far to start the season, 
we have seen a locked-in, engaged, efficient R.J. Barrett. And if you're a Knicks fan, uh, that has to obviously make you feel encouraged and, and, and look at maybe the tenor of this season changing uh, to some degree. Uh, another thing that I'm noticing is, uh, despite the fact they, did, they, they didn't land a superstar, and the cost of not landing a superstar is that your ceiling is about what it ended up being last season, and that's winning a first-round series before being sent home by the Milwaukee or Boston in round two. But the positive view is that you've retained a core that has now allowed them to start the season with cohesion and not going through that figuring-it-out process. Like, you watch this team on offense, and it's clicking. Randall hasn't been efficient. Brunson well, was awful in Game 1. But the entire fluidity of the offense, they're clicking. I mean, they hit 18 threes against the Celtics on Wednesday night. They added 20 more last night. They've got some talent, and when you see that offense click, you know they're going to turn it up defensively. The last night, uh, Atlanta was scoring at will. It, it, it's just, it's just beautiful to watch because underrated about this team last year was they were tied for third best in offensive efficiency. It was the Celtics and the Kings were the only two offenses operating at a higher efficiency than the Knicks, and we're seeing so far first couple games more of the same. On that game last night, and hit us up, 800-919-3776. Get at me on Twitter, Ty D. Butler. Head to the gram as well, Ty D. Butler. Let's get it popping. Uh, on the game last night, both fan bases, uh, I'm thinking about this. Both of these fan bases are watching that game last night in Atlanta, living. Because if you're a Hawks fan, you have to be wondering, how is it possible for us to have this much talent? I mean, Jalen Johnson, second-year player, jumping through the roof. He's got all the athleticism in the world. DeAndre Hunter's healthy now. Clint Capella's a, a walking double-double. You've got Bogdanovich, uh, Gri- uh, Griffin, and then, of course, Trey Young. How is it that we have all this talent? We have a, a respected head coach in Quinn Schneider, and at times we just look so dreadful, and that goes back to last season. And then if you're a Knicks fan, you're watching thinking, how are we letting this team hang around despite the fact that we're hitting 23-pointers? It felt like every time the Hawks got into the lane, they turned it over. Credit to Mitchell Robinson, who was, who was disruptive uh, in the paint. He, he was incredible. Was, was very underwhelming against the Celtics on Wednesday night. He played a hell of a game last night. Ended up with 13 rebounds, four steals, four blocks. I mean, he was all over the place. But Nick fans, you're watching that, and if you remove the score bug, you're like, yo, we're blowing these guys out. But then you look up, it's a four-point game. You look up, it's a three-point game. So b- both teams had to have been frustrated, uh, but the Knicks get a win. And for Julius Randle, my takeaway from him is this. I thought he played a really good game. He didn't score much, but the number that I'm watching is the, t- the 10 field goal attempts. He only made four of them, and to start the season, he looks a little bit rusty and unsure of himself. But to me, that should serve as the blueprint for how he can still be effective, even if the shots aren't falling. And I know Nick fans jump all over him. I feel like I've become like the biggest Julius Randle defender, no pun intended, at the station, just because I think he's a really good player. He's talented, and I understand that the the playoff shortcomings are going to usurp everything you do in a regular season, but you're not getting to the playoffs without this guy. 
He, he's a two-time All-NBA player. He's, a, he's he always going to be in the conversation for being an All-Star. He's a 2010 guy who can hit threes. He's going to bang down low. And, and, you know, we love the whole 90s Knicks thing mantra. Like, he's one of those guys who's tough. He plays with toughness. He drives you crazy with the turnovers, you know, getting the ball up, jumping in the air, throwing it out of bounds. I understand that. But appreciate what, what you're getting from this guy. And as far as, like, the blueprint, like, being effective, I don't need to—I know I can score 25. I know I can score 30. But there are situations that call for me to do more. So he finishes just 4 of 10, but adds 12 rebounds. Had 9 assists, and even on the broadcast, you, know, you heard uh, it was Clyde highlighting the fact that, you know, multiple times it was either at the end of the third quarter or beginning of the fourth quarter where the defense is collapsing on him and the immature Julius Randle of the past is forcing it up, thinking, I got to get mine. But he made those passes, hit his shooters, and that's the way that you can still be great even if it's not showing up in your scoring column. That's the next step for him. How can I make my team win? How can I help my team win even if I'm not scoring at the weight, uh, at, at the rate that I know that I can? And then obviously Bears mentioning Brunton was just brilliant. It was so uncharacteristic. I mentioned I was at the Garden on Wednesday night. Watching him struggle to the degree that he did wasn't shocking because you knew it was a tough matchup coming in with Drew Holiday. Um, you know, and, and Derek White, one of the best, if not the best, defensive backcourt in all of basketball. But it, it, we we were so accustomed to to watching the game just so come so easily to him last year, effortless in crunch time. Again, last night he was great. Uh, that it, that was the surprising factor, uh, the way that he looked. But you know, he rebounded last night, hit eight threes, and outside of that, just you know, awful turnover late. I thought he was spectacular. I thought he was spectacular. So we're reacting to what I thought was, you know, an important Knicks win. That's the type of game you don't want to, you know, hit a panic button or prematurely react in a negative way to the second game of the season. But Atlanta's not a very good team. They should be in the mix for the playoffs. The Knicks are better. And if I'm right in thinking that this team can legitimately get to that number three seed, then that's the type of game you got to win. You hit you hit 23s. Your three best players I thought were all effective. Your four best players you throw in Mitchell Robinson. And then Dante DiVincenzo, you know, he, he struggled in, in that Celtics game. He came alive last night. So from a lot of fronts, that's the type of win. It gave you anxiety late for no reason. But you walk away 126-120 to final score, feeling good. And now you play a really good New Orleans Pelicans team tonight. So we'll talk about that. 800-919-3776, taking your phone calls on the Knicks. Uh, we will get to the football of it all because uh, anxiety, nervous, sweating bullets. Me, the Jet fan, sitting in the seat thinking about tomorrow afternoon, 1 o'clock, MetLife Stadium, taking on the Giants. Again, the Jets should win, but if anything – uh, if there's anything I've learned being a Jets fan, it's <laughs> never take anything for granted. Don't go into any game thinking, oh, yeah, we got this one in the bag. So we'll talk about that as well. Ty Butler going to 630. Oh, we're cooking. Beautiful day. Beautiful Saturday afternoon. We're going for the next three-plus hours. Right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. And Zion back on the floor 
looked pretty good in the opener. They beat the Grizzlies. And remember, uh, the Pelicans last year, prior to Zion, you know, once again getting hurt, were the two seed in the Western Conference. So that trio of Ingram, CJ, and Zion could be a problem for the West. Now, I, I wouldn't call them a contender. They're not Denver. They're not the Lakers. They're not the Suns. But I, th- that could be a, an exciting team that if they stay healthy and whole, uh, it's going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Throw the Kings in there as well. Sacramento um, and, and, and what they were able to do last season get into a game seven. I know they lost last night. A tough one to lose at home to the Warriors, but um, getting bounced by Golden State in, in the playoffs last year. That's the, the West has a lot of fun teams. I still think Denver's head and shoulders above everyone else, especially what I saw from my Lakers squad on, tu- on Tuesday night. That was pathetic. Anthony Davis, come on now. Really? Zero points in the second half? That's what we're doing? That's what we're doing? But yeah, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun NBA season. The Eastern Conference, we saw... Dame put on an absolute show. And and this guy we know, like Dame Time, he's a big shot maker. We saw him knock two teams out of the playoffs uh, while he was with Portland. But this feels differently because, like, he, they were always the underdogs. Like, they knocked OKC out. They knocked the Rockets out. They were never going anywhere. He got to one Western Conference Finals and got swept by the Warriors. Now that he's with Milwaukee, I still think Boston's better. But Dame and Giannis and Chris Middleton, when he's back to being 100% healthy, and Portis, like that, that's a squad right there. That is, like, that, that they're loaded atop the Eastern Conference. And Boston, you just look at one through six, all of them are, are either good to great offensive players and then good to great defensive players. Derek White, Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Chris Porzingis, Al Horford. Like, those guys all bring it on both ends. It's going to be tough to score against them. 800-919-3776. But we're talking Knicks. Fresh off that win last night in the ATL. Let's go to my man James in Spring Valley batting leadoff today. What's popping, James? What's going on, Ty? How, how's it going? Big shout out to the company. Uh, man, like, as a Knicks fan, bro, I'm very, very – I'm very happy, even though the Celtics game was a tough one, but I felt like that was a game that the Knicks could have had, especially up by six with, I believe, four minutes left in the game. I saw you were at that game. All yes, sir. Stuff. Um, here's my thing about RJ. You were absolutely correct about RJ. Um, and the fact that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm RJ fan, but I'm also an honest critic. But here's my question. Um, if R- can RJ continue this success? Because if RJ continues playing like this, Ty, because it is two games, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but if he continues playing like this, and he's like the second option behind Jalen Brunson, and Randall is becoming more of a guy that, yeah, he can get you 25 and 10, he can get you 30 and 15, but he can play efficient in the offense, then it's safe to say the Knicks and the Sixers could be battling for that third fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. And I think the Knicks are still a superstar away from being with the Milwaukee's and the Celtics. But I do love how RJ is playing. I love the fact that he's taking, like, you know, it looks like he's taking that next step. And as a Knicks fan, that's why I've been wanting RJ. I know he's never going to be like Zion or Ja, but if he just takes that next step, that's all I can ask for, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, everything you said about uh, the Knicks just now is spot on. Appreciate the call, James. There, because uh, like the offseason was kind of depressing if you're a Knicks fan, just because it solidified 
Like you were not going to get to that next step of like a conference finals. In my eyes, I, I just don't think anyone's beating Boston or Milwaukee. And they're going to be on the opposite sides of the bracket, barring a catastrophic injury. So you're running into either of those teams in round two. And, and with Giannis, the box with the championship pedigree, I know they have a first-year head coach, but it's tough to get past Dame and Giannis. And then, you know, Middleton late in games is, is like Kobe. I mean, watch Middleton late in games. That dude's as clutch as it comes. And then on the other side with Boston, I think they might be better than the Bucks. And you saw them last night. So they're 2-0 to start the season. And, and Drew Holiday is just like the perfect fit for them, just like Dame's the perfect fit for uh, Milwaukee. Both of them, I think, still have question marks at head coaching. Joe Mazzulla, we saw him various times during the playoffs last year, look overwhelmed. But just from a talent standpoint, you're not touching those guys. So now we get to the you know, next portion of the Eastern Conference. And I think even if, let's just say RJ doesn't keep this pace up. Even if you get uh, a locked-in Randall, a locked-in uh, Jalen, like those versions, the version of those guys you got last year, I still think you can hang with Philly. Now, if you're a Sixers fan, like everyone writing your obituary look kind of foolish it's only one game but the way they looked Wednesday night in Milwaukee was very encouraging because Tyrese Maxey looked like a star he looked like there there is a next level being unlocked on his offensive game where he you know various times in that fourth quarter he's hitting clutch shots and B came alive late um that's a team that I wouldn't write off too quickly just because they got the reigning league MVP so uh, it, it would be foolish to just, like, cast them off and say they're not. And then you know, all of a sudden, Kelly Oubre's dropping 27 off the bench. So that was a very encouraging sign for the Sixers. It's the type of performance that could make Daryl exude some patience and wait for the right package to come uh, for, you know, James Harden. Because if Maxi gets to that next level and, 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 and Bede maintains MVP-level play, they can still be a force to be reckoned with. So you're battling them. Miami, I, I, like I, I understand they, they won an opening night. They lost last night. They were in the finals. I'm not very high on them. They lost Vincent Struess. They didn't get Dame. just fantastic. He's awesome. Butler's a baller. But even at full strength, they underwhelmed during the regular season. And their call to you know grace, their call to glory is how they excel in the playoffs. So I don't, I don't expect them to be battling for a top, uh, top three seed. But, yeah, man, I, I, you have to be encouraged. Can he maintain it all year long, R.C. Barrett? That's the biggest question because that's what separates, like, you know, the, the decent, good players to the great players. It's the, the level of consistency, uh, consistency, being able to maintain that excellence over the course of a season. And for R.J., like, we've seen it in spurts. We've seen it for the first half of a season or the second half of a season. We saw it last year for the latter half of a playoff run. It's just being able to maintain that is what's going to, you know, determine his status. Spike's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Gee, you covered everything, man. I'll tell trying, you. Can't you tell I'm excited? Basketball's back, man. It's like shot out of a cannon. Listen, listen. It's wonderful to encompass all the, the breadth of all the sports and, and, and blurt it out. I say that uh, lovingly. It's, uh, it's just the only word I can come out with. It's so all-encompassing. Here, here's my take on the Knicks. And, and, and uh, for, for the last 68 or 70 years, I've 
going over every nickname with my best friend, who was a D1 star back in the early 60s at CCNY, where Larry Cordesley played. So you, me, Larry, and my buddy, we're hoops first guys. You know, you got to follow all the other sports. I follow some of them, and but you got to you got to perform. You got to get on the air and, and cover all the crazy people like me that call. But here's what I see with the Knicks: if Julius Randle has a, a game where he takes ten shots and gets nine assists, look, he can't dribble the ball. He messes up certain things. You got to live with him. His problem is, is there's an old movie called Being There with Peter Sellers. He's got rice pudding between his ears. He's very, very high-strung. And when his offense is bad, it affects his defense. That's a bad trait to have, but he's got it. He's one of those guys. R.J. Barrett, uh, I think James from Spring Valley mentioned it, and he knows his stuff for a young fellow, too. I'm not saying you know more when you're old, but you've seen more. R.J. Barrett's big deficiency from year one through year three was his statistical fall off defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, guys like me who've seen it, I don't have to look at the stats. Not, not just it. yeah, not just defense. It was also like the efficiency. Uh, yeah, him, yeah. he he he, like, he can score, but you got to do it at a more efficient he, level than he, he had been giving you. He may be the strongest guard going to the basket in the league. But when he tried to go through Porzingis at the game you were at, that's a, that's a, that's a clinician mistake. Can't do that. One to ten, the Knicks may have the best ten players in the league on the roster. Having last night, you had a nine-minute spurt, five and four minutes between Hart and DiPizzento. They're basically the same player. They'll hit the open three. Statistically, you see that. When Hawks started for Portland, when Dane was out, he averaged 19 points a game. They don't look to shoot. They shoot third. They're, they're on your light glue. The Knicks, first of all, ran a sticks. Trey Young was so overrated. Oh, my, my God. God. What that happened to him? Night, Yo, Spike, my trade. I'm <laughs> watching my him. Trade. Spike, oh. I'm watching him. So, what do you end up going? Four of 16 last night. A bevy of turnovers. He's flopping all over the place. Like I'm trying to remember the last time because think about this. It was the you know the 2020 playoffs, Knicks Hawks, when Trey Young, you know, game one, he had the game winner and drew the ire of Knicks fans. Like he was on a positive trajectory where we were talking about this guy being maybe one of the best players in the league. But yeah. since then, well, I mean, the, yeah. the fall-off well, has I'll just been incredible. Guy, first of all, he plays defense. There's only one other guy that plays defense in the league like him, and he's a similar player, and that's Tyler Harrow. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're exploited. They can both get to the basket. Trey Young's a better passer. But Trey Young's a pain in the ass to play with. You can see on the floor. There's no chemistry there. Quinn Snyder was a great player at Duke, and he's a pretty good coach in Utah, but he doesn't have this group. Capella has been neutralized. Mitchell played a great game last night. And the Knicks got four left-handed guys on that team. And I'll tell you another thing. For 20 minutes a game, to have Hartenstein, Mm. who's a real pain in the butt, he goes out there and he holds holds, nobody off. He's not afraid of nothing, this guy. And he's got quick hands. Mitchell on the free throw line is like, uh, close your eyes and hope for the best. But the Knicks could be third in the East. I'm mostly concerned with Brunson not being the Kyle Lowry and the, and the Raymond Felton, that body type and taking all those charges, it wears you out. You can't play defense and offense. And I'll leave you with this, and thanks for, for all the time. I'm, I'm psyched by the Knicks. They should be 2-0. and You can't shoot 53% on the free throw line at home and your home opener. You can't. Yeah, it's, it was a, it's a tough pill to swallow. Appreciate the call, Mike. Uh, 
And that's a that's a that's a tough loss because you were you were that close to a signature win, and we'll get into that when we get back. Got to hit the got to hit a break here. Ty Butler going to a six thirty right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Halloween's on Tuesday, and now, you know you got. Two kids, Noah's two, Maverick's about to be one. So we got to be festive. We got to allow them to have, you know, an entertaining childhood, take them trick or treat. And this is going to be Mavs first, obviously. Noah went last year, he was a cop. So we go uh, to multiple stores to get costumes today. And $35 for a costume for a toddler. And the, 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 the real scam in it is that these this this is not an outfit you're wearing more than once. So you're not even getting your money's worth. We're just throwing it on to go trick-or-treating. And I'm looking at the receipt because I, I would, you know, I, I would imagine that people try to get slick and try to get smart uh, in the past, buy the costume, then return it after you've already worn it. Because people do that anyway now with their regular outfits. They'll cop an outfit, go to a party, you know, throw a picture on the gram, return it. So you can think they got a lot of money, but neither here nor there. The return policy on these costumes is you got to get it back uh, before, I believe it was October 29th. So by tomorrow, that's the last day you can return or exchange a costume. But $35 a pop for a costume that you're only going to wear one time. And it's a scam that you have to, you just got to acquiesce because it's the kids. You, you got to let them have fun. You don't want them to be the only ones not wearing a costume going trick-or-treating. That looks... You know, a little ridiculous. So it's just crazy. So my wife and I, we almost, because my, my kids love like Sesame Sesame Street, so we almost got the uh, Oscar the Grinch and the Elmo, uh, the Elmo outfits. But that was running $45 a costume. So we're like, you know what, let's just go on Amazon, order a couple of, you know, referee t-shirts, a couple whistles, then we'll be all right. That's that's fifteen dollars a shirt. That's not bad. And at least, I mean, I guess in theory you could get another wear out of that shirt. I don't know where you're going with a referee shirt, but still a lot better than paying forty five dollars for a costume. But it's a big scam. I love Halloween too. It's fun. It's cool. Find you a nice little Halloween party. I was at my guy Nick Wright's, you know, biannual party last year. It was a great time. But the scam that we have running, I mean, it's amazing. And everyone is just frantic. In these stores, last minute shopping, because you know that's what we do best. We all love a good last minute shopping. Then every year we're like, oh, we'll be better next year. We'll 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 get it a month earlier. Last minute shopping, lines are you know a mess. It's just it's crazy out there. It's hectic. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's hear from Jalen Brunson because I talked about this um, coming into the show. Like the Knicks. What I've seen for them through the first eight quarters, and initially it was a struggle against the Celtics, just because the length of Boston, particularly in that interior, was giving the Knicks some problems. They couldn't get to the basket. So once they started hitting threes, it opened the floor for them, and then we saw you know the offense come a little bit easier, and then last night they put a buck 26 on Atlanta. And I think that, yes, we can lament they didn't land the superstar. Eventually they're going to have to get one. If you want to be in the conversation with Milwaukee and with Boston um, as a contender, not just in the East, but in the NBA, you need a superstar. NBA history tells us you're not winning a championship without at least one superstar. 
So you're going to have to get one. But as they graduate to that level where they become more attractive for the next guy to ask out, a la Joel Embiid, who, by the way, I, I mean, anyone acting like they wouldn't trade for Joel Embiid if you're a Knicks fan, you're crazy. But as you get to that point, in the interim, you can relish the opportunity to have a fun, exciting team that you know can can be really good. And since you've returned your core, they look cohesive. They're playing with chemistry. They're familiar. The ball is moving. So, you know, Jalen Brunson weighed in on the chemistry being developed on this team. Like I said, we have a lot of great guys that can do a lot of things. We have a lot of great chemistry going on right now. we got to keep building off that. This is a good win for us. You know, even last game, you know, at home, no, we didn't uh, obviously win the game. Uh, I didn't play my best, but there's a lot of positives to take away from that. So um, even when we lose, we got to continue to build. There were a lot of positives to take away from that that game. We should. It always feels weird giving a team credit for not quitting, but you know, for for those guys to battle back the way that they did, the Celtics should have blown them out. But the Knicks just wouldn't wouldn't give up. They just kept fighting, kept fighting against a clearly superior team uh, that you know was in the finals a couple of years ago. Then added Drew Holiday and Kristaps Porzingis. They kept fighting, and you give credit to the coaching staff for you know keeping them focused and you know mentally ready for that storm that came. And then all of a sudden, you look up three sixteen left in the game. The Knicks are up six points. They're up six, but it is a devastating loss. You were that close to what would have been a sensational statement win to start the season, and now you get to talk about like, oh, we we played the Celtics well last year. We started the season off. All this noise around Boston. We beat them. So you were that close to having that happen. And I do think that you're at the point um, where we get it. There's significance to the, 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 the talent disparity between the Celtics and Knicks. But it's not that overwhelming that you feel like the combination of Randall and Brunson can't, with a six-point lead with just over three minutes of the game left, close it out. And now that big free throw miss by Grimes, I thought killed him. Like, that's a momentum stopper. Got to make that free throw. You go up seven, it's a completely different ball game. So I, I think if you're a Knicks fan, you do have to put yourself, you know, in a place in your fandom, in your rooting interest for this team, understanding that, yes, that's a game we got to win. Like, you can take the moral victories. That's a game we got to win. We're up late. We got to close that deal out. But you, 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 do, you do take the positives. I thought I, I, Emmanuel quickly was tremendous. And, you know, it's early, but he's not allowing that the, the contract stuff to derail him. And it, you, you hope that he can play to the same level that he was last year, give you that same level of production where he finished, you know, what, second in the uh, sixth man of the year uh, award. That was positive. Struggled early and then came on, came on late. So the first two games, got to feel encouraged. And now tonight you play in New Orleans. 800-919-3776. Let's go to Sean in Westwood. What's up, Sean? Yo, Ty, what's up, man? You do a great job. Just want to let you know that. Appreciate you, dog. Appreciate um, you, man. What's going on? Yeah, so I'm actually in the woods right now with my dog, so hopefully you don't lose me. But I just want to talk about the Knicks. Um, last night in Atlanta, I loved what I saw offensively. Everyone played their role off the bench even. Everyone, everyone played great. They hit their shots. 
Brunson looks like the player we know he is. Barrett looks like he's taking the next step. Now, I'm not going to overreact to that because, you know, we see his ups and downs over yep. the course of a year. But what I absolutely loved was Randall one assist from a from a triple double man yep and I mean, even I mean, came close uh, opening night against the Celtics to you know he's flirting with a triple double and that's exactly what I love he's not th- this is the thing fans loved Obi Toppin because he could play off the ball and he let the game come to him Randall you know fans would get on him for forcing the action all that all that stuff Randall looks like he's letting the game come to him. He's making the right play. He'll shoot if he's open, but it just looks like he's not taking a back seat. But it looks like he's his game is really maturing. Yes, into you know being, you know that's the next leap. I don't care if he's scoring less; he's playing better. That's that's what I'm gonna say. And that that you nailed and, it. To me, that's the next level in his game. That's the maturation process. He can give you 20, 25, 30 points. Like, that comes, I don't want to say easy because there are times where it looks like a struggle, but that's something he's capable of doing on a a night-in and night-out basis. But when the shot's not falling, can you still be a winning player? And what does that look like? What it looked like when that double team comes, you hitting your guys and hitting your shooters for three-pointers. What it looks like is still corralling 12 rebounds to go along with the nine assists. What it looks like is you still, just from a optics perspective, looking engaged. Because that's something we notice about him. Like in the past, he's hanging his head. The body language, the, like the behavior stuff, it's all important. When you're trying to build a winning culture, when you're trying to put together a team that at some point you hope is going to hang around in that championship uh, contention conversation. 800-919-3776. We'll get back to your phone calls. The top of the hour, got to talk Jets-Giants. What a big game for both of these teams. Week 8 already underway. We saw that uh, that dumpster fire that was uh, Bill's box on Thursday night. But we'll get into Week 8, Jets-Giants coming up. Talk a little baseball as well. So still a whole lot to get to. Ty Butler, we're going to 630. Beautiful Saturday right here in New York City. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. Oscar the Grinch. If Embiid becomes available and Daryl's like, I want R.J. Barrett, you you are not saying no to that. Embiid's a superstar. He's the reigning MVP. He, he gives you high production on both ends of the floor. Now, yes, there are injury concerns that don't get better as you get older, especially for, uh, you know, a, a big... But I, I, I'm definitely parting with him in a trade for, for Joel Embiid. If you can find a way to, to get, you know, Brunson with Randall and, and, and Embiid, now we're, now we're cooking with something. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. But you're gone too far with uh, the, the DM you sent me. But I appreciate you listening to the show. 800-919-3776. Before we get to the football conversation, I want to touch on the Nets just real quick. I mean... They're 0-2 to start the year, and it's not like you had high expectations for them uh, because, we you know, the, the KD-Kyrie-Harden experiment didn't work out. So this is the first full season they're starting, I guess, since 2018 uh, without those championship expectations. But the two losses to start the year are just dreadful. They're just back-breaking. Up six with a minute 24 remaining in your home opener against Cleveland. But then you lose because a couple turnovers and Donovan Mitchell might have gotten away with a charge. Hits a game winning three right in your mouth. Game over. Blouses. Up five with 236 left last night in Dallas. 
Then Luca hits four straight threes, including a, a bank shot with one hand, 26 seconds left in the game, and it was like the best defense you could have possibly played on him. Now, I don't know if he was aiming for trying to get the bank or if he just got flat-out lucky. Maybe it's a combination of both. You saw Mark Cuban going nuts on the sidelines. But that's, that's brutal to lose those two games back-to-back. It's an awful way to begin the season for the Brooklyn Nets. Just terrible. And they're dealing with a lot of the same issues uh, that they felt last season where, you know, in crunch time, they just have no answers. Like, Mikel Bridges is trying his best, but is he your, your one-on-one option in crunch time you expect to, you know, deliver you to goods? And what is jo- Jock Vaughn, th- like, the Spencer Dinwiddie thing, like, has to stop. Like, the infatuation with him being our closer, if I'm Jock Vaughn, I mean, come on, what are you doing, bro? Cam Thomas has been lighting it up, and he's on the bench late when you need offense? Then he comes in and he immediately hits the game-time basket prior to Luka's bank shot. So I don't know what's going on with Jock Vaughn. Net fans hit me on Twitter last night talking about he's the worst coach in the NBA. Looked good to start. Looked so good when he first got here. They gave him an extension immediately. And now I'm starting to think that might have been a bad idea because you still weren't done evaluating him. Just awful way to start the season. They're 0-2. Knicks 1-1. New York City basketball is back. But coming up, Got to talk football. Bigger game for the Jets or the Giants? Let's get into it. 98.7 ESPN.